Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Who can come to him? Well, if God has come to us in the person of Jesus, and Jesus is for both the Gentile and the Jew, then you, O oh Jew, are not the only one that no. has access to the promised blessings, the covenant blessings that come through Abraham. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book, 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> you don't know why we made that face. 10 minutes Jonathan at a time. Jonathan gets a little excited and hits the microphone every once in a while. Uh, today we're focusing on verses 27 to 31. Uh, Here's the question. Have you read it? We've been babying y'all for the last little while. So what we're going to do is we're going to let you, we're going to let you hear that language. We're going to let you pause the video <laughs> pause. right now, spend some time in the book. Uh. While you're doing that, hit the subscribe button. And if you have these, there you go. Give us a little thumbs up. Uh, we'll dive in. We'll wait right here. And now welcome back. Uh, Ten minutes is starting now. Jonathan, take it away. So then this question, what becomes of our boasting? Because Paul has just established that the righteousness of God is by way of faith in Jesus. Or the righteousness of God is a... Uh, it's revealed apart from the law as Jesus crucified, right? He well, he's, he's also taken down the foundation one uh, level deeper saying, uh, oh, the law doesn't do the thing that you thought it did. Yeah, which is righteousness. Which is righteousness. The law exists for a different purpose, which uh, is to point out that you're unrighteous. Now, don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying that the law is not righteous in and of itself, but that it can't give the righteousness that it has. Is that we, we fall short of that standard. Right, we There's fall no short. way that the law can lift us up out of that. Right. So he's attacked that foundation. Then he's attacked even another sense of security in the system by saying, no, nah, that system doesn't even do it. But mm -hmm. rather, it's the propitiation that exists mm -hmm. within the person of Jesus. The mercy and the judgment coming together in a person so that he could be merciful to us 
while also being just and having justice over sin, right? Yes. I think so the that, language it uses is that so that he could be just and mm, do justice at yeah, the same time. Yeah. The justifier. So then the question that Paul finally arrives, uh, arrives at is then what of our boasting? Why? Because you can't boast in the flesh. No. You can't boast in the extravagance of your sin that then makes him a gracious God. Nope. You can't boast in anything other than that which has been revealed apart yeah. from yeah. the law. But that's a problem because then are we really that special? In the sense of? Are we better? Are we as— I think that's what maybe is probably the underlying question for some of these Jews because mm-hmm. they've existed under this framework and we're better. I'm not sure I understand the question. So what becomes of our boasting? The reason why Paul is posting this is because the Jew, I need to boast Uh. because I'm better. (laughs) I'm better. Right? Wait, hold on. Mm. I used to boast about ABC. You just attacked all three of those. I'm sorry, Paul, what do I boast about? Yeah, what do I boast about? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he says, well. (laughs) Uh, Nope. No, you can't boast. There's uh, nothing. It's excluded. It's excluded by what kind of law? So there is no boasting, right, Mm -hmm. in this sense of excluding. I think that's a really good insight that then the Jewish person, the Israelite, the Hebrew can't boast in, oh, we have the oracles of God, this or that, we have this in the flesh. There is no boasting. So that boasting, that sort of boasting. Doesn't exist. But there's a different kind of boasting that we can legitimately boast in. It's the boasting of the, what he calls the law of faith. Well, he says... Yeah, but what kind of law? But what by what kind of law is this boasting removed? Right, mm-hmm. it's excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? Mm-mm. No, because you actually didn't do anything in your if body. If you did the works, maybe you could boast because then could. you would be righteous. Then you'd be righteous. But this boasting is not removed by something that you did. It's actually removed by a law of faith. For we hold. That one is made right. That's what justified means, right? Mm-hmm. The old Billy Graham idea of just, just if I just as if, as I, if I never sinned, yeah. right? So that we have a standing before God because the obstacle of sin has been removed. So you and I, right here, we're talking with one another, and we have these obstacles between these us. These microphones, microphones that you so clumsily or, hit. I do all the time with my big. Hands. You, you do right? have like yeah. mat, like your arms are disproportionately long. Yeah, and they look ridiculous on camera, right? This is shout out to <laughs> Daniel Duran. Right. So then um what happens is that we have these obstacles in between us, but the imagery is that these obstacles have been removed. We're here. Right? And that we don't have anything keeping us from the throne of grace. But how is that happening? That isn't happening because I did something, Mm-mm. but it's because God came to me as a propitiation on my behalf so that then I can have complete access to him. You know, the, the imagery that came to my mind, if you've ever had a, a dog, like it was an indoor dog, mm-hmm. and uh, the dog wants to go outside, but you have one of those sliding glass windows. Yeah. And the dog has to wait by the window and is begging to go outside to use the bathroom or to go play. You got to move that thing out of the way so the dog can go outside. I see where you go. You see where I'm going. You do that enough. The dog lives in that house in and out hundreds, if not thousands of times. You've ever seen those videos online where they remove the glass and the frame is still there, but the glass is actually gone. But the dog comes to it and waits. Wait, yeah. Because even though that thing that separates us is no longer there, 
he still believes it is. In his body, he's so accustomed, right? Everything yeah. about him is conditioned, right? Because he believes something about his access. Yeah, so then that's a great illustration, and I want to draw back on that in, in, in the future. Yeah. But it's this idea that then because there's no obstacle, then who has access? And to the Jews, like, well, then, 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 if, then if it's not by the snip-snip of my circumcision or the way I dress or the cleanliness laws or what I eat, what are you saying then, Paul? Verse 29, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Which is a different way for Paul to frame it because the, the, the Jews would, would say that there is only one God. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But then they would also kind of have this conflict of, of beliefs in that he's the only God that but exists, he's, but he's my God, God and not, not your yours. God. Yeah. So then, okay, well, what about them? Do they have a different God? Yeah. Obviously not because that's blasphemy. There's only one God. Paul saying... Well, if you think about it, Mm -hmm. God's the God of everyone. Because God is one. That's right. Right? And then there's other, well, we're not going to get into it. But yeah, so God is one and he is one God, right? And so that then who can come to him? Well, if God has come to us in the person of Jesus and Jesus is for both the Gentile and the Jew, then you, oh Jew, are not the only one that has access to the promised blessings, the covenant blessings that come through Abraham. Your circumcision is not the way to God. Your circumcision is a symbol of what God would do on your behalf. So there's this light bulb moment in the Jew's mind that's reading this letter. Yeah. Oh, God is the God of the Gentiles also. Yes. God is not only my God, but their God. And As the well. same thing that has been provided for me is provided for them because I could not live up to that standard. So God did it for me. But neither could they. But, but no, but here's the problem then. Yeah. So then what's the point of the law? This oh, thing God. that has become so valuable to me, yeah. you're saying it doesn't do the thing that I thought it does. It doesn't accomplish what I thought it would, yeah. but that it was this alternate route. Yeah. And now God is the God of everybody. Yeah. Then why do I need the law? Should I then overthrow the law would be a question that they might ask. Yeah, because then it's so then we don't do anything that's required of us or this just whole th- oracles that we hold. We just toss them aside and all we have is Jesus. Paul would say. No, <laughs> no, and no, because the only way that you have. How do you feel that Paul is is uh, thinking inside as he's saying no? Like, is it just like, don't get it? Or, don't or like, what, what do you think that's going I on? I don't there? know. You, you read earlier that he was bald. I can only imagine that, that there's a reason why he's bald. He's pulled his hat. Why? Because the idea is without the law, we don't have the prophetic oracles of this Messiah that would come. Without the law, we don't have this rich, beautiful imagery of what he's actually accomplishing for us through the sacrifices of the temple. Without the law, we don't know, or we don't have this, we have this beautiful imagery and the symbolic representation that organizes our lives, gives us culture, actually speaks to our ethnicity and rhythms us according to the purposes of God, which is a beautiful thing, but it's not salvation itself. But without the law, we don't have this clear presentation of Holy Spirit falling at Pentecost, which is going to happen. The Passover. And without the law, we don't have an encased oral uh, history that's written Mm -hmm. and expounded on orally about God's awesome works in the past and how he would work in the future. So God is, or maybe not God, Paul is saying at least, we would say God is, is, is inspiring Paul to say things like this, that yes, okay, salvation has 
nothing to do with the law, uh, at least that law, the law of faith. Yes. You do not get righteousness via the law. Yes. You get it via Jesus. Via Jesus. Yes. Plain. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. The law is amazing. The law is righteous and just. It's holy. So don't be so quick to throw away this thing that is pointing to the real thing. And let's be very clear that if you have not come to Jesus, guess what you're still under? You're under the law. You're under the condemnation of the law more. So the law still has a role to play. Yeah. It's still very active. Oh, yeah. It's still active today. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians, he ends up talking about, hey, Moses is read every single Sabbath. I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, right? That like the law is still at work in hopes of that the prophetic impulse will be revealed so that people come to Jesus. So because I have this law of faith that I believe in Christ Jesus, do I get rid of the law? No. No, I establish the law. Wait, establish in this version, uphold yes, the law. Come I love on. that imagery. So somehow we'll be able to do that. Somehow. Ooh, there it is. <laughs> Somehow we got to figure out how do we still treasure and uphold and value Jesus without doing away with the law and or at least diminishing the law. How do we uphold the law with this reality that the law does not save us or produce righteousness? We'll get to that. 10 minutes at a time. See you guys tomorrow.